millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of Everything Under the Sun is sponsored by NHTSA. A child's body temperature rises three to five times faster than an adult's, and leaving a child in a hot vehicle can lead to their death very quickly. Tragically, in 2020, 24 children died of pediatric vehicular heat stroke, and many of these incidents occurred when parents or caregivers simply forgot the child was in the car. Please set yourself reminders on your cell phone or place something you'll need in the back seat so you don't forget your child. Always look for your baby before you lock. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast featuring in-depth interviews with experts from AccuWeather and from around the world, bringing you behind-the-scenes information, stories, and news on the weather, climate change, and the outdoors, covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now, here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist, Dean DeVore. Welcome in, friends, to our third episode of our Back to School series here on Everything Under the Sun for 2021. Started out the series with uh, recapping Hurricane Ida, answering your weather question in our 3D segment. Last week, uh, we remembered 9-11 and we got a call on the fall forecast and some of the things going on in the tropics. We're going to be talking a little bit of about the tropics. The Atlantic Basin hurricane season is still going on strong and we've got some things to talk about with Heather Zare at the end of our podcast and our weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond in our final segment here on Everything Under the Sun. But up first in our first race of focus segment, a simple question that we get asked a lot. I want to be a meteorologist. What do I need to do? Sit back and relax. We'll answer that and more as we get ready to talk about everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. You may remember in our very first episode of this uh, Back to School series for the year 2021, a couple of weeks ago, we talked with uh, two of our meteorologists in a segment that we're going to repeat going forward, our 3D segment, answering your questions about meteorology. You can check out the answers to your questions from myself, Danielle Niddle, and Dave Dombeck. But in terms of questions about meteorology, I can tell you for certain that one of the most common questions I get from younger people and from parents and adults who have younger people is, you know, we have this youngster, I'm interested in meteorology, I might want to do it as a career, what do I need to do? So with that question, so you want to be a meteorologist in mind, we are going to engage two uh, people here from AccuWeather. Operational meteorologist Nicole Obiando, who's one of our more recent hires in the last couple of years, and our director of forecast operations, Dan DePodwin, who you've heard just a couple of weeks ago in that same segment when we broke down Hurricane Ida. So a very good perspective on the answers to those questions. And we also have a surprise interview here that I was able to do this week with one of our Penn State student athletes who happens to be a meteorology major. Sit back and relax, friends, as we welcome in Nikki and Dan to talk to you about what you need to do to become a meteorologist if you have that interest. It's great to have both of you. I want to start with Nikki. 
you're the newest member in this trio here to AccuWeather and just give a little bit of your background. I know we give ourselves nicknames in the department. Nikki has developed into Snow Miser and lately I've been Heat Miser, right? Uh, so we've had, had battles back and forth. Your love of winter and uh, that aspect of meteorology certainly got you to where you are now. Tell me a little bit about your path from uh, where you went to school and, and how you got to AccuWeather. So I grew up in southeastern Pennsylvania, which is prone to having nor'easters um, and 30 inch snowfalls um, in you know the dead of winter. Um, I'm also a February baby too. So I was born in the winter. So it was only destiny that I would become a snow lover. I went to Penn State uh, Berks my first two years, which is a Commonwealth campus um, near Reading, Pennsylvania. And then I transferred to Penn State main campus and State College um, to finish my last two years in the meteorology program. So yeah, that was kind of like the direction that I went with my education. Um, and I would like to go back at some point to get, you know, a master's potentially, but that's still in the works. <laughs> Do you know in, in what field or what kind of discipline or what what kind of uh, focus you would want to do that in? Not only do I love winter, but I also am really interested in clouds and cloud formations. Like I love to just look up at the sky and be able to identify like what is happening above me. And I think like that's something that not a lot of people like have. And I think oh. just being able to explain like what's going on around us is You're so preaching to me. You're preaching to me, Nikki. And I'll tell you who taught me that Dr. Joe Sobel. Because I got to know Dr. Joe and my journey of becoming a meteorologist, which is a little wacky that we can talk about at some point. But one of the things he taught me very early on was look at the sky and tell me what's happening. Because if you can look at the sky and tell me what's happening now, you have a full understanding of you know the process that's making the weather. And I think that's right. So now, did you just come to AccuWeather right out of college or did you do an internship? Yeah, um, I actually did not get the AccuWeather internship. I did apply when I was a junior, um, but it's a very competitive position. So I unfortunately did not make the cut. But I did end up doing a volunteership at the National Weather Service office in State College, where I did some research with some of the uh, meteorologists over there. And then, yes, I did start at AccuWeather a month after I graduated from college. So I was lucky. <laughs> you're also good. <laughs> I mean, that is a reason that you're working at AccuWeather. But I think, obviously, in all our lives, we have the luck or some of the luck that we make with being in the right place at the right time and having the right preparation. I know Dan because uh, when he was a student, he was a member of the Pennsylvania State University Marching Blue Band. And uh, so I got to know Dan that way and uh, just talk a little bit about where you grew up and then that process of being in a not only school, but a, an activity that took a good amount of your time in the fall. That was a, quite a balancing act. Yeah, it was either music or weather for me when I was going through high school. It was going to be one of those two that I went to college for. And Weather was always number one, and I'm so glad I did it. But I think the music, I, I, I don't think I would have enjoyed everything as much if I hadn't done the music piece of it, because it helped me branch out, learn a lot of different leadership skills and be able to be focused on something that wasn't just weather all the time. So I really appreciated and I, I loved my my four years in the blue band and then before that in my high school marching band. And the combination was great. And there's a lot of people in science that do art or music as well. I know Nikki does a lot of art in her spare time as yeah. too, and, 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 and different crafts and things meteorology, like that. Meteorology. So the combination is great. Yeah, I say that all the time, Dan. I think meteorology is an artsy science. I mean, I think uh, some of it becomes the ability to recognize pattern. And I think if you recognize pattern, you can be a great artist uh, musically or 
visually or whatever medium you that you're using. So I think, yeah, it it definitely goes hand in hand. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I no, think that's a very valid point. Going back to sort of what started my interest in meteorology back when I was a kid, my parents tell the funny story that when I was two, I would use I used to point out all the weather vanes on the rooftops of different barns when I would drive by and call them Vavas. Because that's all I could say, I guess, when I was right, two, right. we call them bavas. Um, yep. the, the you know, not not everyone has events that get them interested in weather, but a lot of people do. And and the ones for me, I had three in a row. I had uh, the blizzard of '96, where we got 30 inches of snow in in the middle of New Jersey. Then there was Tropical Storm Bonnie in '98, which I was at the Jersey Shore for, and it right. went by. We were at the Jersey Shore, and you know, 40 mile an hour wind gusts and really awesome waves. And then at some point, right around the same time, we had a microburst in my town that wow. damaged yep. a ton of trees. And I remember watching the like the leaves there. And so I think between those three things, I I cover tropics, winter, and severe weather in about three years with pretty impactful events at a pretty memorable age. And that sort of solidified it for me that that's what I wanted to do. You know, I have a little bit of a, a different approach and in, in getting into, I started giving weather forecasts to my fourth grade class. I drew my own map. And so I grew up in Lancaster. I watched Jim O'Brien on WPVI, which is, you know, one of AccuWeather's flagship first television clients. And, and Jim O'Brien was an immensely popular personality who was getting great information from AccuWeather. And he did some really cool things back in the day where they had like little smiley faces and frowny faces for clouds and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of made a version and I did that. I became a broadcaster with sports news and all kinds of other things. Always wanted to get focused into weather, got hired by AccuWeather to help run the broadcasting division and then sat down with some of the great uh, iconic names of this business and said, you know, we need to figure out a way for you to become a meteorologist. And they did. And, and the rest is history. And so, you know, everybody can have a different path. Before we go too far, I want to interject here an interview I did yesterday, which I think now looking back, this um, probably is only the second student athlete that I know of uh, that I introduced at some point as a meteorology major. And her name is Angelina Stark. She's a true freshman with the Penn State women's volleyball team. She's just starting her career. I thought it'd be interesting to get her perspective, someone who just made that switch from being a, uh, just a high school student to starting college and what was in her thought process. So let's go to that interview in Rec Hall at Penn State just yesterday. So Angelina, uh, it found it amazing uh, to find a, an, a student athlete who wanted to do meteorology. I don't see that very much uh, in my doings and announcing. So it was real excited to learn that you came to Penn State and wanted to be a meteorologist. Talk to me about when you started having those thoughts about wanting a field or a career in meteorology. Um, it was only a couple years ago. I knew I wanted to do something outside. I don't like desk jobs, and I knew I never wanted to do that. And I thought that this would, you could, you have experience, you could go outside. You just, I've always found it interesting. And I love the ocean and all the weather has to do with the ocean. So it's just something I've always wanted to do. So, and growing up in Colorado, you guys have a lot of interesting weather, not only winter weather, but a lot of thunderstorms too. So you get a wide variety. So that had to be pretty impactful in your thinking as well. Yeah, well, actually I grew up uh, most of my life in Las Vegas. Ah, so Which doesn't have a lot of weather, right? And then when I got to Colorado, I loved the different seasons and the snow and the rainstorms. During the summer, we'd almost get thunderstorms every day. And I thought that was really cool. I like the different types of weathers and that's where I really found that I wanted to do that. So 
as you were being recruited and thinking about playing volleyball, um, ladies and gentlemen, one of the best uh, high school volleyball players come out of the state of Colorado and uh, in the nation her senior year. I mean, obviously, Penn State's ability to be able to teach you meteorology was a big draw. Did you look at any other schools in terms of meteorology and just talk about some of the things that you were looking for maybe in that program? Um, well, at first, when I was looking at schools, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But when I decided that I wanted to do meteorology, I knew Penn State had one of the best in the country. So I was like, this would be perfect because I love the volleyball program. And I knew the meteorology program was really good. It's a special situation. So in meteorology, so many different things that you can do, be in front of a camera or a microphone like me, or maybe do more uh, operational forecasting or sounds almost like like you might want to be outside maybe doing some more research kind of oriented stuff is that maybe something that you're thinking about yeah i definitely want to do more research and something that i could be outside and get to experience the weather or and really learn about it now this is your first year on campus so uh just early on here this first three or four weeks how has the balance been being a student athlete and a student i mean that balance is tough right yeah, it's been pretty hard, especially with traveling, but all my teachers have been very understanding and been helping me through the process, so it's made it much easier. So coach has already started practice, as you can hear. You need to get in there. Thanks for spending some time with me. Thank you. Well, Angelina is a, a great player, and she's going to make a, a big commitment, we think, to Penn State at some time. But uh, some interesting things there. As uh, Again, we're talking with Nicole Obiando and Dan DePondwin from AccuWeather. So now we're we're all stacked up here with well actually my meteorology degree is not Penn State my meteorology education came through Mississippi State so we've got uh, two Penn State graduates and then a Penn State just first year student one thing that we should be very equal time on and we're going to brag about all our great meteorologists at AccuWeather and we have a lot of folks from a lot of different schools. I'm going to start listing them off. Um, Millersville, which is near and dear to my heart. I grew up at Millersville, Pennsylvania. And so we've got several Millersville graduates, uh, Linden State, Purdue, Ohio State, Valparaiso. Uh, what am I forgetting, Dan? Can you think of any, some others? Colleagues in our Wichita oh, office, that, yeah. uh, they are able to, you know, they, they have a lot of different people from a lot of the schools out in the Plains, like Oklahoma and Texas Tech, Texas A&M. Right. There's a lot of different schools these days, you know, back 20, 30, 40 years ago, there were only a handful that had really had, that had programs, but now there's a ton of schools uh, all across the United States that have really solid meteorology programs. Uh, Delaware is an up and coming program, program. We have a couple of uh, graduates from Delaware now. For Nikki, your perspective, schools that are coming on strong too, or that you that you've noticed uh, going through the process in the last seven, eight years? The SUNY program out of um, New York, um, they're really producing some great meteorologists out of that program. At, at different, at their different locations, like Oswego's one, right? Yeah, the grad program at Albany is excellent. They have undergrad as well. Their grad program is really good. They also have Oneonta and Brockport. We have, one, we have someone from Brockport as well. And NC State has a good program as well down in North Carolina. One of the cool things about it too is some of these different places have some specialization. Penn State is kind of one of the more general operational forecasts, maybe one of the better overall teaches you kind of a very balanced, you know, if you go through, you get kind of all sides, right? For a long time, there's were those stats about the percentage of operational meteorologists that had come out of Penn State, and that was pretty high. Now, other places have different focuses. Um, obviously, Oklahoma, that's one we haven't mentioned, the University of Oklahoma. 
big on severe weather. Florida schools tend to have more of a focus towards tropical weather, a hurricane situation. I would think some of those SUNY schools would probably have some expertise on uh, lake effect and, and winter weather too. So, you know, you can kind of map out your kind of focus. Mississippi State, they've gotten much better operationally in terms of their overall, but their focus has been broadcast meteorology and, and done a good job, not only for actual folks getting a meteorology degree from that school, but also training other broadcasters to be broadcast meteorologists. So a lot of different ways to go in this, which is kind of exciting because we're finding that nexus between meteorology and ways of life, you know, finding more and more interest in people are, are able to specialize more. Is that, is that a good summation? Do you guys think? Yeah, I know Penn State, too, when I was going through only a few years ago now, um, they have different options that you can do. So you can do the broadcast option. You can do general meteorology where it could be like a mix of certain disciplines you want to go into. You can go into so you can kind of tailor tailor what you want to do in terms of within Penn State now. That's great. Yeah. And you can do like weather risk management. That's a really big thing. Um, I know Millersville also does a graduate program for that. And then they also do at Penn State um, like atmospheric science, uh, which is like the research option. So like for myself, I did the weather operations and broadcasting, but more on the operations and on the broadcasting. But then once I got into my senior year, I was thinking about doing research. So I started taking more of those atmospheric science classes. So I was actually in the general option, but I had like both, like, so I could go either into operations or I could do grad school after I was done my my degree. Your generation, Dan, I mean, it was, the options were more limited. The jobs were more limited in terms of Uh, There wasn't as much specialization. Maybe there was broadcasting, there was media, and there was energy was another, you know, and and that's, you know, energy and transportation have become their own offshoots now that need so much more specialized forecasting. Yeah, the amount of options you have now in school, the amount of jobs that you have out of school. I think the one thing that we as a field have done better lately and need to continue to do better is, is ensuring that students know the different options that you have after you graduate. Um, there's jobs that employ a meteorologist that are adjacent to meteorology that people don't even know are a potential path for them. Um, as you mentioned, Dean, there's you know there's energy, there's commodities, there's working for any type of private company and being a meteorologist. There's going transportation, 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 yeah, huge right emergency now. Emergency management, yeah, um, and trying to make sure there's you know emergency management for like a public safety standpoint and public preparedness. There's also business continuity for more of the private sector standpoint, making sure businesses are prepared for weather disasters or other disasters at, at their facilities. So, yeah. And even like through Penn state, you can also do minors and stuff. So like if you end up coming into college with some credits from say you took advanced placement courses when you were in high school, those actually count for college credits, depending on your grade on the test. And so if you come in with credits, then you have the options of like kind of choosing what you want to specialize in, not only meteorology wise, but for example, myself, I ended up getting a minor in geography and in climatology as well. So like you can kind of do that as well while you're getting your degree. So it's just about like being, it's a big puzzle that you have to put together. And I think that's also why I love meteorology because it's a big pattern and a big puzzle that you're just continuously putting together. So right. every day is different and you get, you get to her the next day and the pieces are all mixed up again. Right. And you have to yeah. almost start from scratch. Um, obviously, 
especially for uh, many of the the really good operational programs, uh, really good math, really good science. Try to to beef that uh, education up as much as possible uh, early on. You know, and I think it's you know when I was growing up, it was about being a, somebody on TV or or radio. I mean, that was kind of a thing. But now I think it's more about you know Nikki's approach, where I can do so many different things, and there's so much. Uh, opportunity there. It's it's nice to see this excitement again for meteorology. I think it had waned a bit, maybe for a few decades. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think you get different. You know, it's sort of ebb and flow based on what weather has occurred and um, you know what inspires people to be involved in in the weather. I mean, right now there's just it seems like we're in a stretch of. I I, I would imagine that children who are growing up right now, who are sort of inclined to focus on those types of things are really, there's certainly not a lack of weather events across the country mm-hmm. and the world to be right. excited about from a scientific standpoint or, or concerned about from an impact to, to, to people standpoint. So I think both of those things inspire people to want to go into whatever they're, they're interested in. Nikki, as a, a female, um, this has been a male dominated uh, industry and uh, early on, but we've been seeing that changing right before our eyes even when I look at the makeup of, of the classes, each class at Penn State now, the increased number of females, also the broad spectrum of people who are training and becoming meteorologists, it's encouraging. And, and I'm sure as a female meteorologist, uh, having more of, of that around you and, and seeing that transpire is, is, is rewarding. And, and honestly, you have to be excited. You were kind of on that cutting edge of that again here is in your generation. That's that's got to be a, an amazing thing. Yeah, I think when I was training, I trained with Mary Gilbert, who is also one of our meteorologists at AccuWeather. We were, I think, the first time that two females are being trained at the same exact time. That's great that the field is is going towards that. And um, I was actually just talking to one of the professors at Penn State the other week, and he was saying that the undergrad class is about a 50-50 split between females and males. Wow. Um, but then when you move to the graduate program, um, the female percentage really drops off and it's still predominantly male. You know, when you have the the groundswell of, of, of more diversity on the undergraduate level, I mean, that will take its while to, to percolate up to the, the, the graduate level. Um, can you guys, is there anything that we didn't cover that you would think someone would like to know? Yeah, I think like a huge takeaway from this conversation is if kids are planning on doing this and their parents are trying to determine what classes and what things that they should prepare their their own children for, I think like just making them as prepared as possible for any path that they want to take. So like do the maths and the sciences, obviously, but like if say the kid isn't really super math based, maybe they're more maybe they like geography or something like that. Like there's still paths in the meteorology field that you could be geographically based on, you know, uh, stuff like that. So just like kind of keeping your options open is what I always have lived by. Yeah. I think open mind, make sure, because I think too many times we say, you know, you want to figure out way ahead of what uh, your end goal is, and there's so many opportunities. You should just come in with an open mind and learn and start trying things, uh, Dan, just, just getting involved in um, student clubs of uh, Penn State. And we use this as an example, has great student organizations within the meteorology department, like ones that broadcast and write and do media stuff and ones that um, do other parts of the weather. So great, op- get, make sure you're getting opportunities to do that kind of stuff. 
Absolutely. And you never know, you know, you, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And there's, I, I was like the story of Bernie Reno from our team who was started at AccuWeather and he swore he would never be on TV and never <laughs> going to do it. Right. And now he's our lead broadcast meteorologist has been doing so for four decades. Right. So you don't yes, really know what, yeah. you, what you're doing before you're going into it. Yeah. Um, and you learn about these things as you go through different phases of your life and as you, or as you're going through college or as you're going through high school, you take a class you're like, wow, that's something I didn't know existed or, I didn't know I liked. And then you do. And then you adapt your, your future plans to that. I always wanted to be on KYW and 1010 wins and those kinds of things. So I didn't know that it was going to be weather. I thought it was sports, right? And in some ways it still is. So, I mean, that's a whole topic for another day. Nikki, Dan, this has been awesome. I appreciate the time. Uh, thanks for the conversation. We'll certainly maybe connect again later and maybe follow up on some things. Maybe we'll get some questions generated from this conversation and revisit. Thanks so much for spending time with me on everything under the sun. Thanks. Thanks. Friends, I know that was a lot of information and uh, certainly we just barely, I think, in some ways scratched the surface. So I'd invite you to do a couple of things. First of all, uh, Internet, great place to do searches like best meteorology schools or those kinds of things. Go to the websites of like AccuWeather.com and go down to careers and you can like look in there and see what careers are being offered at AccuWeather and other private companies and can certainly do the same with the National Weather Service and those kinds of things. And that helps you kind of gear what maybe your educational plan would be. Certainly uh, ask a meteorologist. There's uh, meteorologists at the National Weather Service level and communities across the country. And there's obviously a lot of great schools and meteorologists who are teaching. And then your local broadcast meteorologists on TV, radio, and those kinds of things are great resources as well. You can certainly uh, email me or use my Twitter handle to send me a message. And if you want to get in touch with Dan DePodwin, his Twitter handle is WXDPO, WX shorthand for weather, DEPO, D-E-P-O. And then uh, Nicole's is uh, Lobiondo WX, L-O-B-I-O-N-D-O-W-X. Great information there. And thanks also to Angelina Stark. Looking forward to being able to call her name at Penn State Volleyball matches here in the next few years. We're going to take a break. And when we come back... Our friend Heather Zare is standing by to talk about the weather for this weekend and the week beyond with things in the Atlantic and some heat building in the middle of the country. Subjects we'll cover next on the third episode of our Back to School series. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. This podcast is sponsored by the NHTSA. Leaving a child in a hot vehicle can lead to their death very quickly. Look for your baby before you lock. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com as we continue our back-to-school series. Enjoyed that conversation with uh, Dan DePodwin and Nikki Lobiando about, uh, so you want to be a meteorologist? I'm joined now by one of our long-time meteorologists, and I don't mean to say that to make her sound old, <laughs> because I'm just as old as she is. But, uh, you know, Heather Zare has been uh, with AccuWeather now, you're going 30 so? 30 years next month. That's incredible. I'm uh, just uh, getting close to 25. So, you know, we were talking about the theme of this week is so you want to be a meteorologist and maybe some of the things you should do to prepare for that. Um, you know, I talked to this a little bit about Nikki, and I just wanted to get you a minute or so on this is how rewarding as one of the original female meteorologists in this company, um, they were few and far between in the early days. And now 
it's got to be rewarding for you professionally, both to see it occurring that we're seeing more and more women get into STEM, um, science and technology and education, math, all that kind of stuff, uh, environment. And it's got to be encouraging to you that you can provide some leadership to those uh, folks, too, that are getting into this field more and more. Oh, yeah, very definitely. When I started, as you said, there just weren't a lot of females around. I was the third full-time female meteorologist who worked here. One of the best women that I worked with was uh, a mentor to me and really taught me a lot. And I, I, I'm trying to be the same for a lot of these younger girls that are coming in, but it really has been spectacular to see the women come in. One of the things that I did early in my career, this is back in the 1990s, there was a, a camp, a Nittany Science Camp for Girls, that used to take place every summer. And I was uh, I was privileged to be able to take a part of that. I was invited to be a part of that and talk to a lot of young girls. This was before STEM was STEM, mm-hmm. and it was really just kind of getting off the ground. So that was an amazing experience to be able to talk to these young girls. That was even before I had children, and it's been interesting, too, through the years. A lot of these girls that have come and gone have had children after they've left, Very few females, though, that are working here are of the age or reached a point in their in their lives where they're ready to have children. And so that's something that I still do, you know, that I have I have kids and a lot of these girls still don't have. But hopefully I can provide a little guidance on how to be a working woman in this field as well. Very great point. Very cogent point, too. And you can have both. You just have to plan ahead. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You just have to be able to work around it. And especially in the case of working some of these weird hours yeah. that we work, there are sacrifices that have to be made. But but you figure that out, and everybody figures it out for themselves. I think the young lady you're talking about is Kathy Francis or Kathy Heller, one of your mentors. And, uh, you know, we miss her. Um, she left us way too early, but uh, she was a mentor to me when I started in terms of, you know, always had a great knack for talking about how to adjust the forecast as you go through the day and, and wording and stuff. And honestly, as we look at the weather... Heading into this weekend, uh, Heather, there are places in the country that have a really nice weekend, a little warmer than average, middle of the country, but don't have any weather worries. There's other places we may be having to adjust the forecast back and forth. So as you're listening to this, we still, as this is being recorded by Heather and myself around uh, midday on Thursday, we don't have the names out of Odette or Peter. There's two systems in the Atlantic, one that's out in the Atlantic near the Bahamas, and uh, moving up towards the eastern seaboard as we go through the afternoon, there's another one well out to sea. There may be a race to which one of those gets named if both of them would be the Odette or Peter. But whatever is the system along the coast, I think we'll have to keep an eye on. It does not look like it's direct interaction, but it's close enough that it influences the weather along the eastern seaboard, especially down the Carolinas with heavy showers and thunderstorms. I'm still a little worried some of this moisture gets up along the immediate eastern seaboard, like New York uh, City uh, area to the south and east of them, the Jersey Shore over to Long Island and up to southeastern uh, Massachusetts. I'm a little concerned about that. That's definitely going to be the area to really watch with this system. Already here, as you said, you know, kind of midday Thursday, we have thunderstorms that are affecting the Outer Banks. So there's already storms that are affecting the U.S. at the outer fringes of this system, as you said, still unnamed at this point. There will be storms for sure on the Outer Banks over the next couple of days as this moves past. Whether or not 
it is a named system or not. It's going to be stormy, rough surf, rip currents. You got the whole nine yards. Not a good weekend if you're trying to catch a you know a summer a late summer weekend at the Outer Banks. Eastern Seaboard in general, we're going to have to at least deal with the rough surf and the rip currents. Again, if you're trying to catch last weekend of summer, this weekend, trying to get to the beach, it's going to be not the best of situations to go into the water. But hopefully, hopefully we can at least keep the precipitation offshore. But like you said, a couple of areas to be concerned about. Yeah, Saturday. And then even as this thing moves up, and if it's directly affecting with some bands along the very easternmost seaboard, I'm also worried about the position of it and how it interacts with maybe a little boundary that's trying to come through the northeast as we go through Saturday. I know there's a little bit of a football game here in the Happy Valley on Saturday night. Just a, just, just a little whiteout. Uh, so that'll be interesting to watch. But to your point, too, as you go farther north, New York, over to Boston, up to Boston, Sunday looks gorgeous. 70s to near 80 with lower humidity and niceness. It looks like high pressure builds in. So maybe in some of those areas that are a little iffy at the start on Saturday, it builds in nice. Heat in the middle of the country. That heat from the west has taken and camping out now over the middle of the country. They had a little reduction this last couple of days in like St. Louis and uh, Chicago and Detroit Thursday, beautiful days, upper 70s to near 80 degrees. But that heat and warmth is going to build as we get into the last calendar week of summer here. It's going to feel every bit the part in those areas. Yeah, uh, it's been, there have been how many heat waves up in that part of the country? Six on the same, well, seven now, because I think this one becomes an official one in St. Louis from yesterday. Yeah, I think so too. So yeah, so this is, this has been just a hot summer and it's going to go literally right down to the end and likely continue into fall. But at least they're catching a break in the Northwest. Well, here it is. Yeah, that cooler air. I love that green in Portland and along the coast and these inland areas where they need some much-needed rain. What I may not be digging is the blue that I'm seeing in southwestern Canada, Heather. That snow on the forecast, and we're not even into October yet. Nope, the first one that looks like it's got a chance to bring widespread snow. There have already been, you know, a couple little snow events up there. But, uh, yeah, first chance to get enough snow to actually put on a map. But yeah, maybe that's not the best news, but at least the rain is. And actually, this could make it all the way down to San Francisco, which would be the first time since, what is it? April. April. So definitely good news for them if they can pick up. Now, it won't be much, a few hundredths of an inch of rain, but still be nice for those people to see something other than a little bit of drizzle here and there. Heather, thanks so much for being uh, with me today. And thanks for the perspective, too, on uh, that earlier stuff. That was really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's just nice to be able to kind of share that uh, and the things that I've learned over the years, too. Those are, are coming up now. And that'll do it for our third episode of our Back to School series for 2021. When we come back next week, we're going to Try to do some focusing on things like uh, fall allergies. I know my allergies right now are going uh, through the roof here with the ragweed being the big problem. A lot of people think it's goldenrod because that's the one that you see, that yellow plant. But it's really the underneath ragweed that it causes all the allergy problems. We'll talk about that and also uh, talk about some other issues in some uh, discussions with some of our senior leadership at AccuWeather.com, including preparedness for severe and extraordinary weather, which seems to be something that we're needing to do more and more every day. Again, thanks to our guests, Nikki Lobiando, Dan DePodwin, Angelina Stark from Penn State Volleyball. Looking forward to seeing her name as the years ahead. And uh, thanks again to Heather Zare for spending some time with us about the weather. I've got 
got a big weekend. As many of you know, the whiteout game for Penn State is this weekend. National TV audience for Penn State on Saturday night on ABC. And have a possibility of a shower, thunder shower during the late afternoon and evening. So we'll keep an eye on that and some emotional moments during that game when we welcome Penn State football player Adam Talaferro back to the field 20 years after he walked out of the Beaver Stadium Tunnel after many thought he could never walk again after an injury in 2000. So friends, it's going to be a great weekend for me on this last calendar weekend of summer. We transition into fall on the calendar and we'll get ready for our fourth episode next week of Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. For our executive producers, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, I'm Dean DeVore. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week here on our podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com.